here. I have a good word for you this morning. I want to welcome all the guests. If you're here for the very first time, let's give them a big welcome. We're so glad that you're here this morning. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to make you stand or anything like that. We want you to know you're, that you're, you're welcome. And also those that are watching online, it's good to have mom and pops here this morning uh, in, in, in live and in person without having to say hi to them on there. But I, I do want to say hi uh, to my neighbor this morning that lives out in Bridgeport that I was able to hook up his YouTube yesterday and he's watching from Bridgeport, 86 years old. I want to say hi to those that are watching in Alaska family members of here that are watching in California, um, Michigan, uh, these are places that I know of, Costa Rica, I don't know where else, but it's a blessing. And I'm in the bank this week, and down in North Dallas, so I am going to embarrass two people, uh, but not anybody else. I'm more to embarrass myself with this, so I'm going to join them in. So I'm in a bank, and I'm talking short talk, you know, it doesn't take much for me to talk to somebody, and so I start talking to this nice young lady, and she's uh, it has a little bit of an accent, and I said, where are you from? And she said, Costa Rica. And I said, oh, so I started speaking Spanish to her, and uh, then she called over her niece, and her niece was kind of blown away that I spoke such good Spanish, and so we started talking. I said, I got to call my wife. She's out in the car, so she can come in and meet another uh, Costa Rican because there's not a lot of us here, a lot of them here, so I'm not going to make them stand, but Anna over here and Jennifer, her niece, are here from North Dallas. And I had gone to another bank, and, and, it, and I couldn't get what done what I needed to get done there, so I went to this other bank, and it was totally the orchestration of the Holy Spirit to be delayed and meet her at the bank, and she has been looking to get back into church. She asked me for a, how many of you like it when they ask you for a Jesus card? She asked me for a church card, and I gave it to her, and uh, I made a pinky promise with her niece. She said, I don't really go to church, but, I'm, but I, I like you. I like your Spanish, so I'm going to go. So she drove her, and hopefully it won't be the last time. Hopefully you guys feel very welcome. Amen. Bienvenidos. Amen. I want to talk about women in the Hall of Faith. How many know what a Hall of Fame is? Sports, music, rodeo. Uh, whatever it is, there's a hall of fame for different things where someone excels in a, in a sport or a music or whatever, and they get selected to be in what's called the hall of fame. Well, there's actually a hall of fame or hall of faith in the Bible. And I want to talk about that this morning, and I want to mention a couple of mothers in just a moment. We'll go to the scriptures. But I want to read a story, or not a story, an example of what motherhood can look like. There was four preachers who were discussing the favorite translations of the Bible. The first preacher said, I like the King James Version because it's simple, beautiful English. Another one said, I like the American Revised Version because it's closer to the original Hebrew and Greek. And the third preacher said, I like the contemporary version because up-to-date vocabulary and I can understand it better. So the fourth one kind of paused and he said, I like my mother's version. And they were kind of puzzled, and they thought, we didn't know that your mom, uh, you know, wrote a, wrote a version of the Bible. And he said, she translated it into life. And her life was the best example I ever saw of the Bible. Amen. How many know that's, that's what it's all about? I can't speak for you this morning, but I can say that that's the kind of mom that I've had. 
she did not want me to do all that in front of you, and, and I, of course, did not obey. Amen. Just like when I went to Costa Rica to learn Spanish, she said, don't go get married. I did exactly the opposite of what she told me to do. Amen. So it's exciting this morning to see that, that motherhood example. And I know in this place on Mother's Day and Father's Day, there's lots of different types of moms in here. Lots of different stories. Lots of different uh, histories. Lots of different feelings. Okay, I, know, I understand there's a lot of feelings on a Mother's Day. And I'm always conscious to that. You know, for many years... I didn't have my mother around when I was in Costa Rica as a missionary. For the last few years, she's been very ill. I know what the emotions are of some of you here who have gone through that, and then I don't know the emotions of some of you who've lost your moms already. Your moms are already gone to be in heaven, or, or others who didn't have a good relationship with their mom. Uh, maybe they don't, still don't have it. There's lots of different things going on on a Mother's Day, and I understand that. But I, I want to preach a message for just a few minutes that I think is going to bless you and speak to you and help you on this Mother's Day. But this isn't a day for dads to take off and teenagers to take off. This is something that I think is going to help everybody. I want to look at second. Timothy chapter 2, uh, sorry, chapter 1, verse 5, and this verse says, simple little verse, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith, okay, if you don't get anything else out of this message, I'm talking about faith this morning. What is faith? Faith is believing in something you can't see. That's what faith is, okay? So he says, I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, he's talking to Timothy, which also dwelt in your grandmother, Lois. I just happened to be the name of my grandmother, Lois. And your mother, Eunice. And he says, I am persuaded is also in you. We, in, in men's discipleship, always talk about the following chapter where Paul talks to Timothy about committing the word of God to faithful men and they will carry that on what they've learned to other men. It happens the same way discipleship happens with women as well. But we always talk about this. This is what's very important even in the world that we live in where everything's kind of messed up. Men teach men how to be men. Thank you. Did I say something wrong there? Okay. Women teach women how to be women. I am a man I cannot teach a woman how to be a woman. I can only teach a man how to be a man. A woman cannot teach a man how to be a woman. You have to teach the person that is your sex. This, this is how you carry yourself as a man. And women teach the women how to, how, to, how to carry themselves as women. And you see there the grandmother to the mother down to the children. And so there's an inheritance there. Amen. Something that's passed down. Now I want to talk about two particular women today, just two out of all the women that we could talk about in the Bible. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 11. If you're new to the Bible, new to church, new to, to the things of God, you've never been in a service, maybe you've never heard the gospel, there's a book called Hebrews, and it's chapter 11, and this is called the Faith Chapter the Hall of Faith chapter, the Hall of Fame chapter. It's a, it's a chapter that I don't want you to read the whole thing right now, please, but please read it later, Okay? But I want to I want I want to talk about two women here, and we're going to talk about how they did things that were so amazing, and and because of their faith, they were mentioned out of all the people that could have been mentioned. And you're going to fit in one of these two people today as a mother, and as a husband, or a father, or a man, or a teenager. You can look at these principles. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11 says, "By faith, Sarah. How many have heard of Sarah?" She was actually mentioned in that video. Herself also received strength to, re to conceive seed 
and she bore a child which when past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. I want you to leave that up there for a second. How does this verse start off? By what? Faith. If you want to move God's hand today, faith is what moves God's hand. Believing. Just believing in who he says he is and what his word says he is. So Sarah, in this story that we're going to read here and, and paraphrase a little bit and talk about her, is, is believing something that she cannot see. In this church alone, we have the picture of this story. Sarah was told, you can't have kids. You're never going to be able to have kids. You're barren. And she, she made it to an age where it was beyond impossible. How many of that's where God steps in, in the beyond impossible? If you're believing in a God that doesn't do anything impossible, then you're not believing in the right God. We believe in a God that can do impossible things. And just, this doesn't mean that this is the only ones, but just off the top of my head, I can think of Pastor Dylan and Ashley, I can think of John and Ceci, and I can think of Jennifer and Christophe, who were here in the first service, that he's from Togo, and they got, they got married in our church. Uh, actually, two out of those three couples got married in this church, and John and Ceci have been coming for a long time. They work with our youth. All three of those couples were told, you can't have kids. John and Ceci have four. Pastor Dylan and Ashley have three. And Jennifer and Christophe have two. That's nine kids in this church, just off the top of my head, who were told they couldn't have kids. So we're in a place where we can see miracles. And, and the reason we testify, the reason Jerry testified at the offering about what God has done with his business, and the reason someone gets up and prays and talks about a story like Dwayne did about his mom and dad, is because we're helping somebody else in their faith and their walk with God. And we're saying, if God did it for me, God can do it for you. That's what the faith is, is about. And, and, and people are always watching your actions. And, and sometimes the truth is our actions don't line up with what our hope is or our faith is. Faith is this evidence of things not seen, or faith is the substance of things not seen, the evidence of things hoped for. It's something we're looking at that we don't have. If I have this towel in my hand, I don't have to hope for it. I have it. It's in my hand. So we're believing for something that's impossible. So she said, he is faithful who has promised. How many have seen God fulfill a promise in your life in this place? He's promised you something, he came through. Let's keep reading. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Now, I, I mentioned this in the first service, and I didn't even realize until just now, and no one told me, and I appreciate that, so I didn't feel dumb, that I was reading the verse that I was mentioning. I said, somewhere else in Genesis, it mentions the seashore. I didn't even realize when I was reading it that it mentions it in this exact verse. So he says, you're going to have a child, and your seed is going to be fulfilled and multiply as much as all the stars in heaven. How many know that's a number that really can't even be counted? And then he says, and they'll be as innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Many, many years ago, I had a revelation from God that was so cool. I was at the beach with my family. The girls were young, and my, my family loves the beach. I'm not a big beach person. If I have a choice, I'm in the mountains. I want to be cool, as you know, I don't like the hot. So if I go to the beach, my thing is, I can't speak for you, I want to be laying on the bed with air conditioning, and I want to have a, picture, I want to have a window that shows me the beach. 
I don't want to be on the beach. I just want to be looking at it. But that's me. And if I go out to it, it's going to be early in the morning or as the sun's going down, so it's a little bit cooler. So at one of those two times, I was out on the beach messing around with the sand and looking at the sand. And I grabbed a handful of sand, and God showed me something so powerful. And I want you to stay with me on this. I started looking. He goes, look at all the... So this was probably, if I remember right, a white sand beach. And I'm looking, and he says, grab a handful. And I start looking through with my finger. He says, look at that brown piece of sand. Look at that black piece of sand. Look at that yellow piece of sand. Look at that white piece of sand. He said, this is a picture of my people. And as I grab that, you think I'm at a white sand beach, and when you stand back and look at the white sand beach from a distance, what color do you see? White. If you go to a black sand beach and you stand back and you look at the sand, what do you see? Black. You just see that main color. But you can do this anywhere in the world. You can, any, I haven't been to every beach in the world, but all the ones I've touched in different places, if you pick it up, and you can actually even do it at a lake here. You pick that thing up, and you start pulling the sand pieces out, and you see all the different colors of God's people. Is that amazing or what? That was free, by the way, okay? And I'm just throwing that in as something to lift your faith up. Because God said your seed's going to be as innumerable as the sand on the seashore. But here's the problem, church. That was a promise. And that's, you can take that down for now. And as you saw in the story there real quick in the video, if you were paying attention, it got delayed. How many have ever had a promise of God get delayed? I can raise both hands and both feet. Because God, let me tell you what God doesn't do. God doesn't move in our time frame. God is a slow cooking God. He's not a microwave God. He, I wish I could just ask and bam, the next day you see the fruit. That's not how God works. God is a God of delay. God is a God of working on our patience. God is a God of w killing a lot of birds with one stone. And if you're taking notes and you want to write this down, this is a powerful thought. God's delays are not God's denials. Just because something gets delayed doesn't mean God is saying no. And if he gave you a promise, it's going to happen. But look at the person next to you and say, it's not going to happen when you want it to. Just accept that. It's going to happen when God wants. And as we start thinking about this story, I'm not going to read a whole lot of verses today, but I'm going to paraphrase the stories. Sarah is in a culture. Today it's important that you have, you know, the name, it's, but nothing compared to the biblical times. Abraham and Sarah had no male child. No child at all, but they needed a male so that the name could carry on. And Sarah was concerned because culturally, if she could not give her husband a child, she was a loser. She was to be looked down upon. She was to be frowned upon because she could not provide for her husband what she needed to provide, which was a male, so that that name would go on. And now, add to it that Abraham comes and says, God spoke to me, and he says, we're going to have a son. She's 90 years old. Imagine that, ladies. I mean, imagine in your 40s, but 90 years old. And she's thinking, this dude's crazy. Ain't no way it's going to happen. And, and, and then, not only does, it, it, does she have to accept that news, now a year goes by, two years goes by, five years goes by, eight years goes by, ten years goes by, and there's no son. That's, that's, the, that's what we think God has denied us, and there's just a delay. 
And church, and women especially this morning, here's where we have a problem. This is where we have to be careful. Sarah says, God promised us a child. It hasn't happened yet, so now I'm going to get involved. When you get involved in God's promises and you do things your way, you cause problems. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because I think we'd all raise them. How many times we have gotten involved in a situation that God didn't ask us to get involved in and we messed it up. And then later we blame God for it and say, God, where are you? And God's like, I didn't tell you to do that in the first place. I said I was going to give you a child. So guess what? Sarah says, hey, Hagar's our servant. Go be with her and she'll give you a son. And so he says, okay, I don't know if, uh, if, I don't know if, um, if Sarah had to twist his arm. I don't know. I don't know how that worked out, okay? This is just the guy speaking. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it was like she had to push him. I don't know. I don't know. My wife's not in here right now, so I could say that a little more empathetic. Right? We're keeping it real. But he went and obeyed. Probably one of the times he didn't have to say, honey, can you repeat that again, please? Hagar gets pregnant. And guess what? Guess what happens from Hagar? Ishmael's born. And Ishmael today is the father, just like Abraham is the father of the Jews and the Christian nation, Ishmael's the father of Islam. Lots of people don't know that. And so because they wouldn't wait, she stuck her hand in and got involved, and Ishmael's born. Now she has to face the consequences of that bad mistake, and so does Abraham. They both made a mistake. Now Ishmael's 13 years old. Think about this. Now it's been almost 25 years since God said, I'm going to put a seed in your, in, your wife, in your wife's womb and you're going to conceive a child. And they still believed. You know what? We're talking about a Sarah church who made a big mistake. But where is she mentioned in the book of Hebrews? In the hall of faith. This ought to give you some hope, women. This ought to make you feel better about some of the mistakes you've made because you definitely, no matter how bad you've made some mistakes, you haven't caused a whole nation you haven't caused an uproar that has, to this day, the Palestinians and the Israelites are fighting over in the, in, near Israel because of this mistake. How many know sometimes when you feel like you've made a bad mistake, you just need to look at somebody else who messed up worse? Like, I didn't do so bad. 25 years, finally the promise comes, and she conceives. And there was a time in her life when, after she remained faithful... That she was hearing uh, Abraham talk about this, and the Bible says she laughed. I mean, how many women would, would laugh, right? Like that, that's funny, very funny. And she thought, this, this isn't going to happen. And then all of a sudden, God fulfills his promise. Abraham has that child with Sarah, and Isaac is born. And you can read the rest of the story later. And Isaac does great and amazing, powerful things. And then all the stuff that's set in motion the way God wanted it originally happens. And even though Sarah made a mistake, even though Sarah was a good woman, she got impatient and she did things her way, she's still redeemed by God and she's still mentioned as one of the only two women in the hall of faith. I'm, ho- I'm preaching this to give you hope this morning. This is Mother's Day. This is for you to realize some of you here are kicking yourself all the time. You're downing yourself all the time. You're saying, I'm, I've messed up. I've made mistakes. I haven't been the mother that I've wanted to be. Maybe I haven't been the daughter I've wanted to be. You're kicking yourself, and God wants you to stop. And God wants you to start looking to the future. 
God wants you to stop looking to your past and the mistakes that you've made and start looking to the future and the awesome, powerful things God can do through your obedience starting today going forward. Can I get an amen? The past is the past. It's over. Now, I want to talk about one more person this morning. If you just give me a few minutes, and this, this, one's, this one's pretty crazy. The second woman, and I want you to go read Hebrews later. It's homework, okay? The second woman in this book. Now, Sarah, we think of Sarah, Father Abraham had many sons. We know we sing the Sunday school thing, and, and, and he had all these, they had all these, you know, he's our, he's our father, spiritual father. The second woman is really going to give you some hope if you had a messed up life. It's a woman called Rahab. And Rahab, it says very clearly in the Bible, we're going to read it here in a second, is a prostitute. How in the world would God put a prostitute in the hall of faith? What kind of God are we talking about? We're talking about a God who came after the sick, not after the whole. We're talking about a God who can change anybody's past and give them a new future. We're talking about a God of redemption and mercy and grace. Come on, you got to be more excited than that. What a powerful God. That in the Hebrew chapter faith of Paul of Faith, he would mention Rahab. Let's read it. Hebrews chapter 11, just in case you don't believe me. By what? By faith. The walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. And by what? By what? Can somebody shout a little louder? The what? And then, but but then, well, who? The harlot. That's a fancy way of saying prostitute. Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe. Let me tell you something important here this morning. Everyone here, I don't know everybody here. I don't know your past. I know some of your testimonies. I don't know everything about you, but I can tell you one thing. Everybody here is one of two people. You're either a believer or an unbeliever. That's the two categories that exist, and not just here in the church, but in the world. The world today of 8 billion people, and you can't even keep up with how many people it is, is of two people, unbelievers and believers, period. Lots of people say, well, I'm on a journey, or I'm on this journey, and there's, you know, my journey's taking me here, and there's only two journeys, a journey to heaven or a journey to hell, period. I didn't write the book. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. You're either a believer and you're headed towards heaven or you're an unbeliever and you're headed towards hell. That's where I was 30 years ago. I've always told you that in my testimony. That's where I was headed. And I became a believer and for the last 30 years, I'm heading towards heaven. And that's that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to heaven because I'm a believer. So he says, Rahab did not perish with the unbelievers. Now, why didn't she perish with the unbelievers if she was a prostitute? That's exactly what we're going to talk about for just a minute. It says, she, when she had received the spies with peace. Now, let me give you, as you put the background back up, please, let me give you just a little bit of background, and I want you to read this later. Don't read it now, please. If you've never read the book of Joshua, you've got to read the book of Joshua. You've got to read the whole Bible. But Joshua is awesome. It's an awesome book. And the beginning of Joshua, Joshua is a mighty man of faith. And he is, is leading God's army. He's, a, he's an overcomer. And, and Jericho is this bad city. 
How many know today, church, if we're being honest, as, as much as I hate to say this, we're in a bad country? Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that we're all bad. We're in a bad country. Our country's lost. Our country's, it, 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 and I'm possibly going to preach about this next week unless the Holy Spirit changes my direction. But the things that are happening right now with this Roe versus Wade and this whole thing of the uproar and all this stuff that's going on and things that people are posting is unbelievable. I saw a post this week where a lady had a shirt on that said, I've had 21 abortions and boasting about it. And I'm, I'm looking at, at that and going, let me make sure that I am not anywhere near the rod of wrath that church is going to come on this country. As great of a country as it's been, as great of a country as we are, as many Christians as are, God's wrath is coming to this nation. You cannot continue to kill countless babies in abortions. You cannot continue to mess with the sexual orientation that God ordained in his word. You cannot continue to do these things and think that God at some point is not going to say, I've had enough. And I'm telling you that not because I want it to happen, but because it's going to happen. But let me give you some good news. Everywhere in the Bible, and it's maybe a piece of next week's message, everywhere in the Bible where God's wrath came down, he never thanked God, poured it down on righteous people. How many righteous people do I have in here this morning? Maybe you don't consider yourself righteous. Maybe you haven't understood yet. But if you believe in Jesus, you're righteous. But I'm telling you, we live in that place today. Just picture Jericho back then. It was a place of sin. It was a place of horrible idolatry and sexual uh, perversion. And Jericho is in the way of God and his people and Jer led by Joshua getting to the place that they're supposed to go. And so God says, I need you to go destroy Jericho. And many know the story. That's a different part of this story where they go and they march around the city seven days and they march around the city seven times and then after the seventh day and seventh time, the city falls. It just falls. and It's it just destroyed. But inside of this, before this happens, this is where I want us to be today, put ourselves in this picture. Joshua sends two spies. So I want you to go into the city and I want you to pay attention and listen and ask and, and see, see where the strongholds are and see what the situation is so that when we go in to destroy, we know what's going on. And as they're going in, by the Holy Spirit, they are led to the house of the prostitute Rahab. I don't know exactly, uh, it, it, may, it may be historically written down, I don't know how involved she was in the daily prostitution. I don't know if she was involved specifically or if she was in charge of it, but I know she was a powerful woman. And it was a, a prostitution home, a place where that was going on. And so they went to this house, and this should be a good picture for us too. God sends his people to the people who need him most. Amen? Don't, don't be afraid or shy or, or, or embarrassed to speak to someone who's got a different life than you, who doesn't think the way you think. That's who needs Jesus. Who's going to tell them? If you shy away from them or say, I don't understand them or I can't be, you need to preach the gospel to them. You need to share your faith with them. Who are they going to hear Jesus from if it's not you? And so they go to this house, and I want to give some really, really, good news right here how many no i'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand hopefully in this place you are witnessing you're sharing your faith with people you're inviting people to church you're telling people about the lord you're passing out jesus cards 
you're telling your family, and if you're doing that, because the Bible says he who wins souls is what? Wise. If you're doing that, I want to give you good news. It may seem like nobody's listening. It may seem like your family just, eh, eh, we're not going to invite them. They're no fun. Some of you have broken off relationships because you can't hang out with those people you used to hang out with anymore. You feel like you're not making a difference. They're not seeing your testimony. I want to give you some good news. They're listening. Did you hear me? Please believe me that they're listening. It doesn't mean that they're acting the way you want them to ask or act or changing the way you want them to change, but they're listening. And you know how I know this? Because in the story, and you'll read it later in your homework, Rahab tells these two spies, I know about your God, and we're afraid. Somebody had been talking about the exploits of the Israelites and Joshua, and they were afraid. And if somebody hadn't gone before and told those that, that Rahab about what God was doing, she would not have been prepared or in the position to be in the hall of faith. But she says, I know who your God is, and I'm afraid of him, and I will help you. So I'm going to help you. I'm going to hide you. So Because she found out that the king... Watch this, stay with me. She found out that the king was after those spies. But this is what we got to do. She was less afraid of the king than she was God. She said, I am more fearful of what your God can do to me than what the king can do to me, so I'm going to hide you. And she hid those spies. And as I close, I want you to pay attention to something that's really powerful here. She, She hides them, and they come to an agreement. She says, I'll hide you if, and they say, we'll save you if. I mean, that's how it works. So she says, I'll help you escape if you save my family. I'll hide you if you promise that you won't let my family get destroyed. So they said, okay, but you have to promise three things. And I want you to write these down or, or take mental notes if you're good at that or remember this or whatever you want to do. Number one is, they told her these three things. You must distinguish your house from the other houses by hanging out a scarlet rope outside of the, of the window. I preached a message a few Easter's ago about a, the scarlet thread of redemption and how that, that thread of redemption, I, I took a rope and put it all through the sanctuary and it caused everybody to understand that I have a part in that rope and that thread. I can either be a, a part of it or I, can, or I can dismiss myself from it, but it goes everywhere. And so he says, put this thing out the window. And it's kind of like in the Old Testament when the Passover death angel was coming through. And he says, put the blood on the doorpost. And when, when I come through, I'll see you. Amen. So basically, he, they, she put something that looked like my jacket outside of her window. I'd be good today if God was coming through. Amen. He would, I'd, 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 you see me, God. Here I am. You can't miss me. Amen. Something scarlet red on the outside of the window. He says, put that on the outside of the window. Church, that's a symbol of a people who say, what saves me is the blood of Jesus. Number two, very important. When we come through to destroy Jericho, you have to have all your family members in the house. That's why it's so important to come to church. That's why it's so important to be in the church family, to be in the church setting, to be receiving from the Lord, because he says, if we come through and your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, or you or somebody else is somewhere in the city, they're going to die. 
They got to be in the house when we come through. Church, when Jesus comes back, we got to be ready. When our time comes for us to breathe our last breath, we got to be ready. We can't say, time out, heart attack, I got to go get right. We can't say, hold on, Jesus, I got to go repent. We got to be in that state. We got to be ready and watching. So he says, I need everybody in the house. And number three, and the musicians can come, please. Number three is this. She says, he said, you cannot change your mind and turn on us. You said you're gonna. You said you're gonna say, hide us. Don't turn us in. Don't don't tell us you're gonna you're gonna do these things. And then when we show up, you you tell them what we're doing and you turn on us. He says, don't do that. Jesus said, when you put your hand to the plow, don't ever look back. Anybody who puts their hand to the plow and looks back, the Bible says, is not worthy of following him. God is looking for some people today in this place right now who will go all in for Jesus. Didn't he say in his word that if you're either hot, I want you to either be hot or cold. If you are lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. So that's the verse right there, church, and I didn't mention that in the first service, that tells us there's no middle ground. You're either a believer or you're an unbeliever. You, you, you need to make the decision yourself today. You say, come on, you know me, I'm a believer. I'm a, no, today. On Friday, I did a discipleship. I said, no days off. You can't take a day off from your character. You can't take a day off from being righteous in God's and living right for the Lord and doing the right thing. You can't say, I'm, I'm going to live right six days and one day I'm going to take off and do bad. You can't do that. You're either in or out. And today... In a church service like this, on a Mother's Day, moms, you need to make the decision. Am I going to allow my past to dictate who I am, or am I going to change who, my future? Because let me tell you what Rahab did. They came in and destroyed that city. The walls fell down. Powerful story. They blew trumpets and praised, and they went around seven times. The walls fell down. And when they went to that house, they saw the scarlet letter, and they saved her. And her and her family were saved. But here's the amazing thing about Rahab. She's in that chapter of faith, the hall of faith. Are the musicians heading this way? Or am I going to have to play the piano today? Okay. That won't sound good. I can tell you that right now. I could probably just ding, ding. I have tried, though, when no one's been here before. It's pretty amazing. But no one's here. I can't play nearly as good as this sweet mama. Watch, I would just go. Oh, it's not on. On? I would just be like, now see, I can't even get it to work. <laughs> Rahab, watch this, Rahab makes the decision that I'm not going to let my past dictate who I am. I was a harlot, but God believed in me and, and changed me, and now I'm not. And guess what? How many have ever read the book of Ruth? One of the most beautiful stories in the Bible. How many have ever heard of the name Boaz? So in the book of Ruth, Boaz redeems, and he's this mighty, great man of God. Carries himself with dignity. He's a righteous man. He's, a, he's what every mother would say, that's my son. Well, guess who his mother was? Rahab. Rahab gives birth to Boaz. And, and he's in the book of Ruth. She, she probably said, son, that's who I used to be. You're going to hear some stories about me that are going to be pretty ugly. But that's not who I am now. 
Men used to treat me in a certain way, Boaz, but you're not going to treat women like that. You're going to treat women with dignity and love and respect. And even though she was a harlot and a prostitute and messed up life, God redeemed her because that's what God does. God saved her and set her free because that's what God does. Jesus came in and gave her a new life because that's what Jesus does. And she began a new life and she began to form that man. And and I want to leave a thought with you women because biblically, this is just the truth. We read in the Bible that, and the reason you see me up here and you see other men standing in, the Bible teaches us, not me, the Bible teaches us that men need to lead. If you've ever wondered that, how come, it's, how come a woman doesn't get up and do this or that? It's not because we belittle women in any way. It's because God called men to lead. We're supposed to lead. We're the responsible ones. We're supposed to love Christ as Christ loved the church, or our wives as Christ loved the church. We didn't ask for the responsibility. You might even do better. But he tells us, men lead. And so you might not feel as a woman, because I thought about this with, 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 with our children, and I, I was talking about how it was perfect with what Dwayne said at prayer. We don't ever talk about who's going to do, the, what people are going to say and they do the offering in prayer. It's just the Holy Spirit. And I was talking to my daughter yesterday and Landon as they were at our house with Briar with our 11-month-old, that when he falls, I just say, get up. I, trust me, I hug him and kiss him and love him. But when he falls, I just say, get up. Get up, boy. Because part of my, I'm supposed to be as a man, I'm supposed to get up, boy. But I'm going to love him at other times. Doesn't mean I'm not going to hug him. Doesn't mean. I, but when he falls, I need him to get back up. But mama and Lolly are going to run over and pick him up and hold him and just exactly what Dwayne was saying. And that's okay. They need both. But you might... At the beginning, like right now with my little Everett, my precious little Everett, she just lays there. And so Kristen and Destiny and Lolly and great-grandma, they love that. They just love to just stare at that thing just laying there. But for me personally, it's kind of boring. I want her to interact, and I want her to slap my face like Briar does, and I want, you know, y'all follow me? So in the beginning stages, a man kind of feels left out. But then as that kid starts to grow up, sometimes maybe the woman can feel like, man, I brought you into this world. How, you know? And the man kind of starts to take, a, to take a lead. So maybe women today, maybe your kids are grown, maybe you're a grandparent, and you're thinking, man, where, where's my place? Listen to this. I'm going to leave you with one thought before we pray. So powerful. Mothers, maybe your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God is not something that you do. Okay, you with me? Maybe it's not something you do. Maybe it's someone you raise. It's that person that you speak into, that you love and nurture, that goes on to do great things. Greater things than you could ever do. She taught Boaz, and Boaz did amazing things in one of the most beautiful books in the Bible. So I just want to challenge you today to think about Sarah and think about Rahab and say it's not too late for God to do amazing things with me. And at their, at their worst moment, they would have never thought they would even be mentioned for the hall of faith. Yet there they are. Even Mary's not in there, the mother of Jesus. There's so many names of women that you might think would be in there. And it doesn't mean that they're less, but it's interesting to me, the two women he chooses to put in there. And one of them 
was a prostitute. Because he says, that's the people I came to die for. Lord, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for these precious people that are here. Thank you for the opportunity that we have right now to make a decision. Where, where am I in my life? What am I doing with my life? Where am I going to spend eternity? Rahab had to make a decision, a quick decision. Am I going to keep doing what I'm doing? Am I, or am I going to fear this God and realize that he might have a, a better life for me? He might be able to change me. She recognized who those men were and the God that they served. Sarah recognized, even though I, I got involved and made a grave mistake and, and didn't listen and didn't wait, God's still faithful to me and I'm still going to be a good mom to Isaac. Moms, today God's got a plan for you and a purpose for you. He's going to do great things through you. You just got to forget your past. And, and, and then use your past to raise your kids and help them say, don't do what I did. Don't fall in what I fell in. Don't make the mistakes I made. Because listen, all your mistakes this morning are under that crimson blood. And they're forgiven. They're as far, far as the east is from the west. You might be in this place this morning, and I feel led to say this, and you might have had an abortion. You might have had more than one abortion. You might hear those words and you cringe. And I understand. I understand the pain. I, not, not personally, but I understand the pain you're feeling. I understand the, the, the disgrace you feel, the, the, the remorse you feel. But God wants to tell you today from the throne of God, I forgive you. It's under the blood. It's, if you'll confess it and say, I'm sorry, I'll forgive you. There's nothing God can't forgive this morning. You may have been an abusive mom. You may have been a manipulative mom. You may not have been there for your whatever you're going through, whatever you were. Let that be the word today. Let God restore you to relationship with him. And see what God can do in Rahab. And if he can do it in Rahab, he can do it in you. With your heads bowed and eyes closed all across this place. And those watching online this morning, are you a believer or an unbeliever? Are you ready to stand before God this morning? Do you know what you'd say standing in the presence of a holy God? And you might say, there's nothing I could say. I'm, I'm a sinner. And you could say, I plead Jesus' blood over my life. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe Jesus made a way for me. And all across this place this morning, as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed and the Holy Spirit's working on you right now, the Bible says he's knocking on your door. Are you going to open it and believe or are you going to keep it shut and reject? How many this morning would say, I'm going to open it? By just lifting your hand real quick and putting it right back down, would you say, Pastor, would you remember me? Would you pray with me this morning? I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. I want to believe in him today. I want to put my faith in his forgiveness. Just quickly put it up, put it right back down. I want to pray for you all across this place. That's me. Honest hearts honest minds, honest decisions. I don't know what I would do if I stood before God right now. I can tell you, Jesus saves. Jesus forgives. Maybe you at some point in your life, at some age, said that prayer. Put your faith in Jesus. But today, on Mother's Day of 2022, you're not living for the Lord. You've gone back to your old ways. You've made mistakes. You've opened up doors. And today you want to get back to that first love 
How many can say, that's me? Just put your hand up and put it right back down. That's me. I see your hands. I see your hand. God bless you. Let's stand all across this place this morning. We're going to open up the altars in just a moment. This is a place where we, we say, Lord, you spoke to me in this message. And I'm just going to come and find a place, stand, get on my knees, turn around in my chair, whatever. There's lots of room up here, though. But you take the message and you say, God, you spoke to me. I want to make some decisions. Rahab, who knows what she was thinking the night before. She may have been praying to a God she didn't know. She may have said, God, I don't know you, but I fear you. I, I hear what you've done to these people. Send someone to me to tell me how to change. And God sent somebody. That person you've been praying for, keep praying for them. If you're that person somebody else is praying for, give your life to Jesus today. But right before we, we go to the altar and we go offline, I want to say a prayer because someone might be watching online. I know some people raise their hand for rededication. Someone might be watching online that's not saved. We're going to say a prayer all together that's a biblical prayer. Jesus looked over at that thief, and that thief looked back at Jesus, and he said, Jesus, would you remember me today? A criminal who deserved death, and Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. What did he do? He believed on him. He didn't get baptized. He didn't go to church. He didn't do anything. He believed on Jesus, and Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Just say this with me. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for your mercy. And then according to your Bible, you save messed up people. You have a plan for messed up people. And I'm the chief of all of them. I'm a sinner. And I need a savior. I fall short of your glory. Please forgive me. I put out the scarlet red in front of my window. And I ask that when you pass by, you'll remember me and my faith Jesus forgive me for all my sins wash me clean with your precious blood write my name in the Lamb's book of life and from this day forward I'm going to try to live for you to the very best of my ability and you're going to help me in Jesus name Amen